Hello and welcome to the Freestyle Podcast series, bringing you real stories from people living with diabetes. My name is Johnny Bailey and I'm one of those people. I was diagnosed with type 1 at the start of 2021 and I'm really excited to be here because in this episode I get to ask Dr. Deborah and we're going to be talking all about that transition from paediatric to adult services. So Deborah, it's over to you. Well, thank you very much. I'm Deborah Christie and I'm a consultant clinical psychologist and I'm really looking forward to to talking with you today and answering any of the questions that you've got as we're focusing on a really important moment in your journey. Well, I can't wait to find out what to expect, what support is out there and how we can all carry on living our best life with diabetes. Please remember that before making any changes to your diabetes management, you should discuss these with your healthcare team first. Hello everyone. Hello Deborah. This is really exciting. It's great to be here. I've got so many questions to ask on behalf of myself and lots of other young people living with diabetes. Yes, I'm really excited too. It's so nice to meet you and I can't wait to start answering some of those questions. But I thought before we could get going, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about your story, Johnny, and your relationship with diabetes. Absolutely. So really, my story, like many others with type 1, is quite unique in that I was diagnosed during COVID in February 4th, 2021. But I'd had symptoms six months beforehand. So I was actually on medication, which was sort of masking that. And so when I came off the medication, I realised it was a bit more serious. And I started with the classic symptoms, the constant urination, constant thirst, the weight loss. And I was lucky enough to have a doctor who sort of knew about the medication. He brung up about blood sugars. And so I had that test done, the HbA1c. And then two days after, I was called into the GP surgery, had my first finger prick, which is always a shock to the system. And then by 10 o'clock that night, I'd had my first injection of insulin. And then 8 o'clock the next morning, I was doing it myself. And so really, that's just my story, which leads me perfectly onto the first question which is what should I expect for my life with diabetes? Do things change the longer you live with the condition? Yeah, it's a really good question to start with. I suppose there's a sort of developmental change. So when you first get diagnosed, there's that moment of shock. And you said, you know, it was a bit of a shock having to do the finger prick and then the injection. There's a process where you have to learn lots. and That's quite new, learning lots of information. And then as you get used to it and you get more familiar with it all, it's different for different people. So sometimes people kind of get themselves very stuck and and get very knocked off track. You know, they get very fed up. They, They find diabetes to be a real burden. But eventually, most people work their way through until they get to a point where it's just one bit of their life. It's not the it's not who they are. It's just one bit of who they are. And they reconnect with their ambitions, their hopes and their dreams, and they get on with living their life. Great. And you know, that's a really good response. It's really interesting to hear that. I know you talked about then getting on with it and things, but I suppose for me, I was diagnosed and I sort of took hold of things straight away. You know, I was 15. I think that the nurses pushed me into independently dealing with it a bit more. But how much should we talk to our parents and involve them? You said right at the very beginning, you made the point about everybody's story is different. And that's also true for how you want to involve your your parents or the people who are looking after you. So younger kids, perhaps who are, you know, under 10, little ones, they need their mum and dad. They need their mum and dad to do more things for them. But if you're a, a teenager, then 
you are already beginning to work out how to live your life and how to become independent. But you still need your mum and dad. But how much you involve them in helping support you is up to you. So I think the answer is you need to be able to talk to your parents and explain what you need from them. And then they offer you that and help you. But parents will always worry about their kids. And it doesn't matter whether you're 15 or 25 or 35, they will still be nagging you at 35. So you know, (laughs) in 20 years time, you'll remember this conversation and go, Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, yeah, definitely. I do involve my mum in how I'm doing with my diabetes. So what do you hear from other young people who come to see you? So some young people like their mum to do everything for them, actually. They're very happy with their mum doing absolutely everything. They like their mum to help them with their injections and they like their mum to pack their bags. That's what works for them. Other young people really can't stand it, drives them bonkers. And what they want is they want to be completely independent. And I would say as long as you are doing what you need to do and you are staying healthy and you're still able to take part in all of the activities and all of the other things that you need to do, then it's up to you how much you involve your mum. I think it can be nice, though, for mums and dads to be part of what's happening. It's nice for them to know that you're well. It's nice for them to know that things are going okay, And it's nice for them to hear from you that you're happy doing everything yourself. But there might be times where you do need a bit of help. If you're feeling really poorly, for example, if you've got a really bad cold or flu or something, You might want to say to your mum, actually, I just need to lie in bed with a pillow over my head. And could you help me out a bit? It doesn't have to be the same all the time. It can be different. But it's up to you to communicate with your mum and dad and let them know what it is you need. So when people are diagnosed when they're young, their parents are basically in charge of their diabetes management. What advice can you give to people who are taking more control of their condition, maybe for the first time? So I would say it would be a bit like learning to drive a car. You don't just get in the car and drive off and do absolutely everything on your own in the car. What you would do is you would have some lessons. You'd start off with an instructor, some advice, and that instructor would give you all the basic information that you need. Now, you might already have all of that basic information, but if you were diagnosed really, really young, your diabetes team might need to remind you of all of the basic information. What are the things that you need to learn to do and what are the things that you need to understand? And then just as with your driving with a car, you learn to do the slightly more complicated manoeuvres. I mean, with diabetes, you don't have to take a test. But we sometimes talk to young people about it being like taking GCSEs and you get competent enough. And then you go on to A-level diabetes, which is another level of understanding and control. So it's about taking it slowly. If you want to start taking control of your diabetes, don't put all this pressure on yourself and expect that you're going to be able to manage it perfectly within a day give yourself a bit of time and be kind to yourself if you don't get it right to begin with that's really interesting it's a question that doesn't resonate with me as much but I know that a lot of my friends were diagnosed young and that their parents did a lot for them and I know that was one of their major concerns about moving into adult clinic the same sort of people have told me that when it comes to the transition and their health services, how might they change? And, you know, is it very different? So I think that's a tricky question because it will depend very much on the clinic that you go to and on the clinic that you're going to transition to. 
One of the biggest differences is that the adult doctors in the adult clinics will not expect you to bring parents in. There's much more focus on you coming in on your own and having the conversations with the doctors on your own. Now, it ranges. Some clinics will be very, very strict about people not turning up to appointments, for example. And if you don't turn up, you won't get a nice phone call from one of the friendly nurses saying, oh, we're worried about you. We've made you another appointment. You'll just get a letter in the post saying you didn't turn up. We've discharged you. So you do have to be quite careful. The biggest difference, I guess, is that you're no longer thought of as a child. And in paediatrics, even though paediatric clinics try and promote adolescent development and appropriate adolescent health care by encouraging you to become adolescent, they still see you all as a family. And in adult clinics, there's a lot more patients. The clinics are way, way busier. There's a much bigger age range. And there is much more focus on you going it alone. And I think that's the biggest difference. But it's almost impossible to answer the question specifically. And I don't know whether it's useful to say here that one of the things that I would always do is to say to your pediatric team, tell me what the adult team is like. Tell me what to expect. Good clinics will have good transition policies. And you can ask to see that transition policy. You could even say, could you talk me through what the transition policy is and tell me how are you going to go about helping me move? The best thing that you can do when you go into adult services is have been really trained well by your adolescent team to be a good adult. Well, you know, I was really curious to hear your response to that. And uh, it shocked me a bit about the letter. So I'm not really looking forward to, to getting a letter and hopefully I won't. But, you know, my nurse is absolutely brilliant. Name's Linda. And I have her on speed dial. If I've got a query, if I've got a worry, I can just ring her up. So, you know, just leading on then, will it be a sudden change from how I'm treated now to how I'll be treated as an adult? Yeah, I think it will be different. There will be that real expectation that this is you now. This is up to you. You're really lucky. You've got, you know, Linda. She's this great help to you. You might find that there's a Linda in your adult clinic, but there is an expectation that this is you now. Just as when you go off to university, you know, your mum's not making you your dinner. You're expected to get your own dinner. Well, with an adult clinic, it's your diabetes and you're expected to be looking after it, really. Well, you know, great. I, I hope I get a Linda then in my adult clinic. <laughs> um, I've used TikTok as one way of reaching out and creating support networks for young people. So do those networks change as you get older? I think they're different and it'll depend, you know, as you go through TikTok and you get even more and more thousands of followers, as you get older... <laughs> You know, the question will be, will they carry on following you on TikTok as you get older? I suspect they will. And I know my grandchildren told me off for being on TikTok. They said I was far too old. I wasn't allowed to be on it. So I think it's about you'll take audiences with you. So you'll take your network with you. But there will be different networks that some adult clinics might have groups. And it's about you creating your own networks, really. I mean, you're a great example, Johnny, because if you're the sort of person like you, who reaches out to people and you've created this incredible network, there's no reason why you can't take that with you and demonstrate that it's something that can carry on into adulthood. And it might be different. You might be finding that the content that you post will be different because the questions that you'll have will be different. So rather than it being about living with diabetes in school, 
It'll be living with diabetes at university or living with diabetes in work, you know, depending on on what you end up wanting to do. Yeah, I mean, it's great, isn't it, when you think about this community, because I suppose as the community I've got, as I grow, it will also grow with me. And so Mm. hopefully, hopefully I will keep my audience. But that's the social support side of things. What about the support from the medical side? So some of my friends were a bit curious about how they would be judged for, for their levels. So is there more of a judgment about adults who might be struggling with their levels? Again, that's a question that will depend very much on the clinic that you go to. What I would say is that the adult doctors are working with two different kinds of groups. They're working with people who developed diabetes when they were an adult, who haven't had to live with diabetes growing up. And then there will be people like yourself who have grown up with diabetes. So there's two different kinds of medical knowledge that they need to be able to put into place. I think that because adult clinics on the whole are bigger and busier, there's a tendency for them to be slightly less accommodating and they will have expectations that if you, for example, if you're on a pump and you're really not doing all the stuff that you need to be on the pump, then they're going to be quicker to say, actually, maybe the pump isn't the right thing for you. And again, if we go back to that analogy of driving a car, the same thing would apply. You know, if your dad has just bought you a Lamborghini and turns out that every time you go out in the Lamborghini, you crash it or scrape it, he might need to say, actually, I've decided I'm going to swap out the Lamborghini for a very old Cavalier. So I don't think it's about them being judgmental. I think it's just that they've got a limited amount of resources. And if you're not using the resources properly, then they're going to talk to you about alternative ways of living with and managing diabetes. So what about when we judge ourselves? Because I know after I've had a hectic day and my blood sugars are sometimes all over the place, it can be really hard not to judge myself and say, you know, well, this is your fault. You've done wrong here. What's a way around that? Is there any way around that? It's really important to remember that not everybody gets it right all the time, that we can only ever do our best and try and wherever you can be kind to yourself. Because if you judge yourself and you beat yourself up about it, then actually that will have an effect of making your blood sugars even worse. Taking a deep breath and going, that was today, that was now, tomorrow will be different. That's the most important thing. Just remember to be kind. Be kind to yourself. You know, you've worked with, I imagine, hundreds of children with type 1. And so what's the best thing that someone with diabetes has said to you? What's the most inspiring thing you've heard? Well, that's the most difficult question I've ever been asked. Let me think. There are so many things and it's always been such a privilege to work with young people with diabetes. I'm going to go with something that a young woman said she'd been in a group that we'd been running. And so we'd all been working together. And at the end of the group, she said that what she realized was that diabetes was just one jigsaw piece in the whole of this gigantic jigsaw that was her life. And She didn't need to just focus on that one jigsaw piece. It was her whole life that she needed to focus on. 
That is inspiring, that is. Definitely inspired me. (laughs) So our last and final question, and one really that I'm really interested in hearing your response for. Mm. If you could tell a young person living with diabetes one thing to remember as they go through this transition stage, what would it be? I think that I would say it's important to remember that this is your journey. It's not anybody else's journey, it's your journey. And you need to be involved with the planning and the packing. And just as if you were going on a journey to go off to university, for example, you would have thought about where you were going. You would have checked out the university that you were going to go to. You would have thought about how you were going to live when you get there. And transition from paediatric clinic to adult clinic should be the same process. It's up to you to think about where it is that you're going to go. It's important that you ask questions, that you ask your paediatric team, where am I going to? Who am I going to be meeting? How often will I be seen when I get there? So it's about ownership. I think the most important thing is that you own this journey. That's not the doctor's journey or your mum and dad's journey. It's your journey, your diabetes, and you go on the journey with it and you need to be knowing where you're going to go. So if you can encourage other young people to be asking these questions, I think that would be transformational, actually. Well, that's all we have time for all this episode. Deborah, thank you so much for answering all of my questions. And there's some tips and tricks from there that I will certainly be taking away and trying myself. If you want to follow my story, you can find me on TikTok where I'm Johnny Allen Bailey. That's Johnny with an H and two N's, then A-L-A-N Bailey, which is B-A-I-L-E-Y. If you want more information about living with diabetes, then check out Abbott's education site, Freestyle Progress. There you can find the Freestyle Libre Academy, tutorial videos, webinars, the rest of this podcast series, and lots more. That's all online at progress.freestylediabetes.co.uk. Thank you. The information provided is not intended to be used for medical diagnosis or treatment or as a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your physician or qualified health provider regarding your condition and appropriate medical treatment. Individual symptoms, situations and circumstances may vary.